free for all. You're on your own, soldier. Alright, yo, what's going on, everybody? Uh, we got another good one for you this week. A lot of stuff happened this week. You know, we had the end of the Trump era, uh, inauguration of Joe Biden and Scamala Harris, and uh, what we're beginning to see of a alt-tech revolution. Uh, and so that's what we wanted to talk about this week. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on. Um, it seems like all these corporations and the government are changing their position all at once. And everything's going, you know, preferring the liberal agenda and censorship and uh, takedown of, you know, right-wing people. And I was hearing they even wanted to vet a lot of the National Guardsmen that are being sent to the sent to the Capitol. They wanted to vet their political views. Yeah, and you know, so we're, we're talking about all this all this crazy stuff that's going on and everything and um you know what kind of started all of this in the last two weeks you know was the capital riot and everything and then the uh the following censorship and, and ban from uh twitter or whatever in the form of donald trump uh they you know they banned him from the platform and everything and then they started a, a essentially what what we're seeing is a political purge of anybody that subscribes to an ideology that's different from uh, what the left believes. And so we're seeing, you know, we saw Donald Trump get banned and then we're seeing people, uh, you know, lots of his followers are being purged from Twitter. Um, you know, uh, people that subscribe to conservative ideology and even libertarians um, are all being purged from these social media platforms and they've tried to, uh, you know, find alternatives. And I think that's, that's what's we're, what we're starting to see is, uh, what's becoming of this all tech revolution and an all tech revolution. We're talking about, you know, different social media platforms that are an alternative, uh, to the ones that we already have or different availability in general. And, we have websites like Parler, uh, Gab, Eric July from uh, Backwards was talking about a, a new uh, streaming platform called Odyssey that he wants to use. Um, and, you know, we're seeing all these different alternatives that are starting to pop up and uh, people are starting to leave uh, big, so big social media platforms like Twitter. Streamers are starting to you know, want to migrate off of Twitch and off of uh, YouTube because they're being banned and censored on there anyway. Just for example, if you're trying to figure out stuff nowadays, um, people are almost always searching for things through Google. And obviously Google is a company that has been censoring stuff. Like they put warnings on YouTube videos and links to articles or whatever for to teach you their agenda. So a way to circumvent that is to use DuckDuckGo, and you can find a lot more information and uh, look up things that aren't even on Google. And, you know, I think uh, what a lot of people are starting to recognize is that the, the censorship, as far as, you know, banning people and uh, censoring tweets or, or censoring posts on any form of social media now, even by Facebook, uh, and Instagram, you know, it's it's deeper than Donald Trump. It's not it's not something that the left wants you to believe. Where they're they're talking about, oh no, it was it was exclusively Donald Trump. It wasn't it wasn't supposed to be anybody else. Um, although the a lot of um, different you know prominent people like AOC and stuff like that are. They're asking for Trump's followers to be purged from social media and, and uh, all these different platforms as well. Um, so it, it's it's very much so deeper than the lie that the left is feeding us that it was only because of Donald Trump. It, it's definitely deeper than him. It's it's more about um, silencing the opposition and silencing anybody that doesn't agree with you. 
Yeah, it's like they wanted this all along. They wanted to almost bait everybody into the same pool of people or, you know, like, be a Donald Trump follower or Republican, like, or, like, supporter or part of any of these uh, Republican college groups I'm hearing, like, that are going to be put on, like, watch lists or something. FBI, I was hearing. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, things like Turning Point USA, which I don't really agree with, but they have a lot of, uh, you know, conservative and libertarian young kids in their group, and they could be put on watch lists or, like, be classified as a hate group. Like, that's pretty insane. And, uh, like I said, Trump's a big magnet of, like, support. Like, he, a lot of different people like him, and obviously all these conservative groups have gone crazy over him in the past couple of years. So, like I said, it just seems like they wanted to use this as an opportunity to group everybody together and uh, ban or deny services to people who uh, are conservative or libertarian or don't really like the uh, centrist leftist view. And so, yeah, the, the people on the right and, you know, conservatives, libertarians, centrists, that, that point of view is, is being purged by the left in a very organized manner. And I guess one of the ironies of all of this is that the left worked so hard to get Donald Trump banned from all their, all these different social media platforms as Facebook, as Twitter, and all this other stuff. Um, they worked so hard to get him banned from all of these, but now that he's gone, everybody's complaining that politics is so dull and boring now that he's gone. They have nobody to make fun of. They have nobody to make memes of. And, and, and nobody, nobody's tweets to roast and all this other stuff. So, like, it, people are basically saying that politics is stupid now because he's gone. Um, and so y- you look at the fact that they're even saying that, and it just proves that he, he stirred the pot. I wouldn't necessarily say in a good way, but he definitely stirred the pot, and he definitely uh, mixed up politics or whatever as we knew it for the last four years. Yeah, and, and politics... I think politics should be interesting because, you know, if somebody attracts attention to it, then that's a good thing. It makes people pay attention to what's actually going on because a lot of it's not reported on by the media and uh, it's swept under the rug and politicians, you know, take votes at times where not everybody's at the Capitol and stuff like that. They do shady stuff. So, I mean, the more interesting you can make politics, uh, especially uh, state and local and I mean, Washington as well, but just more people need to pay attention because I feel like they almost want to make it boring because that gets people to not pay attention. And so, yeah, we're we're talking about how Trump mixed up politics and all this other stuff. Well, he's gone now. That era is over. And so when we think of the end of the Trump era, the one thing that I, I keep thinking about is is how he even got into his position in the first place back when he ran in 2016 he was running against hillary clinton and the left you know consistently brought up the fact that it wasn't even a contest hillary was going to win by a landslide and everything and then it was like trump ends up winning and so his presidency already started off with he he wasn't supposed to be there in the first place or at least that's what everybody thought and what I think a lot of people need to realize is that Trump won in 2016, not because he was a politician or anything like that. He won because he wasn't. And what I mean by that is that Americans voted for Trump out of a distaste for the system and the state that we currently live in, uh, where our lives are controlled by mainstream politicians. And Trump seemed to, you know, in 2016 when he campaigned, he seemed very, very edgy. He seemed like he went against the grain um, from a lot of different perspectives. Um, he talked about ridding Washington, D.C. of its corruption, you know, draining the swamp. Um, and he wanted America, you know, Trump's America was to be reverted back to the way it was in the old days or whatever, you know, make America great again was his slogan. And you know that that was why he won it's because a lot of he he got a lot of people that had been beat up on you know uh the military that was starting to to 
be brought back to the U.S. and everything from the Middle East. Um, it, Americans that had just come out of uh, a recession and everything. So, you know, his talk about all of this uh, change and, and helping make America great again or whatever was very eerily similar to the same kind of uh, message that Obama gave uh, when he won in uh, 2008. And then again in 2012 was this message of change and everything. And I think that's very important to to reflect on and, and figure out how, you know, Trump even got that position in the first place. Yeah, the the whole Make America Great Again thing, uh, I, I think mostly it just kind of has the connotation of, like, the American dream. And people just want to live better than their parents and in this time that you know with the economy and everything and <clears throat> the recession before so the great recession people were worried about their future and whether social security will be there and stuff and i think what really put trump over the edge was uh you know talking about like bringing manufacturing jobs back uh you can argue whether or not manufacturing jobs are really a good thing for the U.S. to be having, but we've really changed to a service sector economy, and unfortunately, Trump didn't even do uh, fulfill that promise at all. Like we're actually more of a service sector economy than we were when he started. Anyway, the uh, Trump was really arguing for the manufacturing jobs, and that's what got him the Midwest, and that's that's really what got him the uh, presidency. Um, I voted for Trump. Uh, I didn't really like him that much, but I liked him the most. Uh, the best thing is that he pisses off all the people that I hate. I mean, he pisses off all the liberals. Uh, he pisses off just anybody who is PC, basically. And PC is so annoying. And it's 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 literally the topic of so much discussion. And uh, especially like with the Twitter and everything going on now. But... I mean, railing against PC is probably one of the biggest things in 21st century politics and 21st century life. I mean, it's it's hard to even have a job without being politically correct. And while it's well-intended, it's not good in the long run. It's just going to end up being whatever people approve. They're going to end up not hearing your opinion because they don't want to, you know, it upsets them or whatever. Yo, and so you talked about uh, Trump like trying to bring jobs back and everything. So I told you how my apartment's been under construction for the last several months and everything. Well, uh, a couple months back, they took our window out because they were going to replace it and do all this other stuff. And uh, I woke up one morning and everything because I, I was working from home. Um, I worked from home even before the pandemic, but... Um, I, I woke up and there were these two construction workers outside the window and they were both talking to each other. Obviously I have no windows, so there's, there's only plastic separating us. And so I, I, I'm basically hearing their entire conversation. I, I, I don't know if they knew anybody was in the room that they were working outside of or what, but um, they're talking to each other. And the, one of the guys says to the other, and he was like, Hey, he's like, you, you know, this election is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Like, uh, what do you think's gonna happen and everything? And the other guy, he took a minute or whatever, and he was just like, "Well, you know, I don't really pay attention to politics all that much." He was like, "You know, I kind of just wake up, go to work, and everything, and come home, and then do the same thing again the next day." He was like, "I, I, I don't pay attention to it that much." But he was like, "The one thing that I can tell you is that Trump paid." paid on his promise to bring jobs back to us and everything. He was like, if, if, if it wasn't for him, these companies that we're working for and companies that were uh, helping, you know, complete projects, he was like, these companies wouldn't exist or these companies wouldn't have the money to pay us to do these jobs and everything. He was like, the only reason that I'm even taking home a paycheck is because of, of how he's helped us and everything. And I think that definitely, you know, um, from somebody coming from somebody you know it, it definitely felt like it was an honest conversation and he and he was just being honest and everything and i think that's like you know important to realize is that he definitely like he definitely made americans believe in uh 
in our country again. And I think that was important because I think a lot of people were starting to lose sight of that. But as good as that is, Trump's overall presidency in and of itself, I think, was a complete, I don't want to say a complete failure, but Trump wasn't who we, who we thought he was. And whether or not that's 100% his fault, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. But Trump's presidency failed because the system has always been rigged. And I don't mean to say that, like, that's why he lost the election or anything like that. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to dispute election results or where he's at now. What I'm trying to talk about is the fact that he failed because the system is rigged. And that's what his supporters are starting to realize, because the whole reason he couldn't pass effective policy like he wanted to was because the other side of the aisle that he needs to cooperate with in order to pass the policy that he wants to pass wants to paint his side as uh, racists, homophobes, bigots, and whatever other friggin' name they can think of to call them and everything, you know. They want to basically demonize the other side and then blame them when they don't get anything done. And so that's what Trump dealt with for the entire four years that he was president was his the election results were immediately disputed. They spent almost the entirety of his presidency trying to get him impeached for supposedly colluding with Russia to interfere with the election and everything that got disproven, uh, unfortunately, only a year ago. So. He dealt with that for almost the entirety of his presidency, uh, being told that he wasn't even supposed to be there in the first place because he rigged the election. And when that happens, you can't get anything done because people don't even want to listen to you in the first place. They don't even think you're supposed to be there. And so it was impossible for him to pass policy. And so, you know, he essentially used executive orders for the most part to pass anything. There were certain, certain bills that ended up getting passed or whatever bipartisanly and the Senate and everything. But, you know, those those bills were few and far between. Yeah. Even in his first two years, when Republicans had all branches of the government, Trump didn't really succeed because there were these renegade Republicans like John McCain and Romney who were all in on this Russian investigation hoax. And it wasted like three to four years. And when Trump got into office or, you know, before I don't know, like after he gets elected or where, whenever he appointed his cabinet, um, it's all these RNC-approved people, like generals and uh, directors of whatever. Um, yeah, like he had he had creatures. John Bolton in there, right? Wasn't John Bolton a part of his administration to some extent? Yeah, yeah, John Bolton, uh, Rex Tillerson, just like all these people that are like super shady. And as soon as he appointed them, almost all of them. They just defy his orders at every turn. And we didn't vote for these people. So why are they able to just defy the person that we voted for? And, you know, aside from this whole message that he gave of making America great again, I think a lot of the the more far-right conservatives, um, they, they upheld him as the champion of the Second Amendment. And I think this is another one of his massive failures uh, as a president, especially who campaigned as Republican, that I think even uh, Republicans need to realize this. They can't they can't keep going on with this notion that he was a pro to a president because that that's almost the opposite of what he was. You know, when this whole attack happened in Las Vegas, I want to say that was in 2016, the year that he became president. And the left essentially, you know, obviously anytime there's a mass shooting, the left wants to politicize it and make it about gun control. Oh, we need to ban high capacity magazines. We need to ban automatic weapons that have already been banned. <laughs> it's like they, they, they don't even understand the laws that we already have, um, but they want to make more of them for some stupid friggin' reason. Trump, obviously, he doesn't want to look like the bad guy after all this bad press that he's been given. So he basically comes back and he says, okay, we're going to ban bump stocks. And uh, if you don't know what a bump stock is, it's essentially a stock that you put on the end of a gun. And when the gun fires, it, it, 
it turns the recoil into a way to fire the gun faster, basically. So Trump comes out and says, okay, we're going to ban bump stocks. He was like, you know, automatic weapons are already banned. People can't even have those. So he was like, there's nothing for me to do in that department. But he was like, if these people are taking semi-automatic firearms that are legal and then using bump bump stocks to make them fire like an automatic firearm, okay, yeah, we'll get rid of them. And the problem was that that's what he told everybody the law was. If you actually read the law, the law sets a very, very, very bad precedent. The law sets a precedent that is essentially any gun that permits an attachment. So obviously I, I just stated a bump stock is an attachment, but it does not specify that. It doesn't specify just bump stocks. It basically, it leaves it completely open for determination. And that allows any gun that permits attachments like a bump stock can be banned under the guise of an assault weapon. That means even something as stupid as a pistol that has the capacity to uh, carry a laser underneath the barrel, that can be deemed as an assault weapon and, and can be banned entirely. Which, that's the complete opposite of, of what 2A is. We should be able to own anything that we want. And the fact that he signed this law or whatever and wanted to come off still as pro 2A is completely absurd because that's the exact opposite of what it did. Yeah, Trump claimed that he wanted to be the most Second Amendment friendly president or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, people people don't understand the point of the Second Amendment. They think it's for self-defense or it's for hunting or whatever, but you gotta understand during the around the time of the writing of the Bill of Rights, they had just fought a revolution against a tyrannical government. So the whole point is to, you know, and a lot of people had even moved to the continent to uh, escape tyrannical governments before that, and then the the British colonized everything, or the French or the Spanish. But the whole point is to fight against the tyrannical government, to have the same weapons that, you know, is accessible to them. I mean, it sounds radical, but... It's just, it's just how things were back then, and it's the, you know, it's the unfo- unfortunate reality of how things are right now. I mean, the government and even SWAT teams have access to all this crazy stuff, and it's like all militarized. And then they want to come in and keep regulating more and more what you can own while they're getting the latest tech. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like they, all this riot gear and stuff, and. You see, with all these police and all these protests, um, I mean, obviously, some of them need to be protecting private property, but they're not even doing that. So they're getting militarized and they're just protecting themselves. And uh, what did Trump do with the Second Amendment? He just basically, you know, like you said, just made this uh, declaration, this open door, you know, ATF can do whatever they want with it basically, and go ahead and regulate anything else based upon this. Yeah, the ATF needs to needs to go. They need to be banned. I, I, I don't like them. But we're talking about how he failed as a, a Second Amendment president, but that's it's not his only failure either. He, he failed in just about every other area that he promised to come through on when he campaigned. He didn't finish this border wall. He said by the end, of, he said, even if I only make it for four years or whatever, he said that the wall was going to be finished before the end of his first term. And, you know, uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> In fact, uh, Biden actually just repealed that. So border wall construction has completely ceased at this moment. Lock her up didn't happen. Hillary Clinton's still free. Yep, Hillary's still free. You know, uh, the Keystone Pipeline project still wasn't finished. Um, Biden made quick work of that as well. Uh, he just revoked the permit for that project. So you can say sayonara to 40,000 union jobs. That's an incredible first first day as president eliminating 40,000 jobs. Trump still couldn't repeal Obamacare. In fact, you know, and see, this is another thing. The conservatives champion this idea we're going to repeal and replace obamacare uh 
it it went from just repealing it to okay now we're going to replace it like isn't that the entire reason you were repealing it in the first place is because the government shouldn't shouldn't be mandating healthcare yeah Come, they they completely lost the uh the idea behind the movement that they were uh broadcasting and everything so you know repealing obamacare and, and see they didn't even repeal obamacare they couldn't even replace it with anything because they couldn't repeal it and then Trump's deficit spending was just absolutely stupid. Yeah, when the, the amount economy of money is that he supposed to be the greatest economy ever, and he's saying it's the greatest ever, but he's demanding low interest rates from the Fed, which he doesn't really control, but the Fed still bowed down and basically lowered interest rates all the way to 0%. And like you said, the deficit spending out of control and Trump put up as much debt in his first term. I don't know if I've said this before in the podcast. His first term in four years, as much as Obama did in eight. Like, that's absolutely insane. And like I said, he, he was saying that was the best economy ever. I mean, even according to the mainstream economic theory, which is completely wrong, the Keynesian economic theory that they teach in school, when, you're, when the economy's supposedly good, you're supposed to be saving money. You're supposed to have higher interest rates. You're supposed to have less government spending or higher taxes or whatever. You're not supposed to be running deficit spending all the time. That's just the new normal. It's racking up debt because people just want cheap money and they want you know more jobs or whatever. That's, that's, what, that's what sells when you're in politics. Yeah, and, and you know another one of his failures... He he did promise that he wasn't going to get us into any more wars, and I definitely think he followed through on that one. But he didn't exactly succeed in bringing the troops home like he also promised to do. He didn't bring any of them home, but what he did was he rather rather reallocated them to other areas of the Middle East. And so obviously, you know, when he uh, took office in 2016, we were still dealing with this whole ISIS problem. Um, they were attacking us constantly, and we couldn't figure out what we were going to do with them. So what we ended up doing was just reallocating forces that were elsewhere to fight ISIS and everything. And I eventually, you know, it took a year or two, but we actually, we ended up basically destroying them. And that, that was something actually that really pissed off the left or whatever, uh, that we could Soleimani. I, I'm going to butcher his name. Soleimani, Soleimani, uh, Soleimani. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, uh, that he was going to get us into another war, um, but don't realize the value of uh, that target in terms of what he's done uh, to other people. So I'd say those promises were half fulfilled. He didn't necessarily bring anybody home, but he didn't send any any more people there, um, at least that we know of, just reallocated people elsewhere. So it, that's not an entire failure, but at the same time, it's still not following through on the promise. Yeah, all, all the all the QAnon crowd was waiting for Trump to do all these great things. They kept saying, "Oh, 4D chess, like Trump's j just wait, like Trump's going to come out with this amazing thing and he's going to restore everything and lock all the pedophiles up and make America great again overnight basically." And they were saying, "Oh, you know, Trump's going to win the election or whatever." But nothing ever happened. I mean, it's always like a nothing burger. I feel like the QAnon movement's almost like a psyop to just bait conservatives and make them believe in a certain thing, just make them docile, just be like, oh, just, like I said, just wait, uh, trust the plan. Trust the plan's a huge one. Oh, yeah, and, like, one of their one of their um, mottos is, like, where we go, we go as one, or, like, something like that, and that's just... It's it's something of that nature, and it's just such a communist motto almost. It's it's so ironic, and it just demonstrates the fact that these people aren't really thinking for themselves. <laughs> They're just believing in something that like one person types, like oh, like this person's terrible, and uh, Trump's gonna do this and that and the other, and like I said, nothing ever came of it. And like it's baiting these conservatives. That would otherwise be voting for, like you said, somebody who <clears throat> doesn't spend a bunch of money in government and doesn't attack the Second Amendment. They're making them believe in a president that was pretty much a liberal a few years prior to even, you know, getting into politics. And uh, he donated big to Democrats and stuff. And even if you 
even if he says he's conservative or whatever, uh, I mean, he's still a New Yorker. No, you're talking about um, you're talking <laughs> about the fact that he would have been considered liberal a couple years ago, and they even came out with a, a voice recording that said, "If I ever run for president, I'm going to run as a Republican because those people are stupid." And <laughs> what did he run as? He ran out as as a Republican, so he definitely came through on that and everything, but. Trump's gone now, and so Biden got inaugurated a couple days ago, and um, he made absolutely uh, no shortage of uh, time in displaying blatant ignorance and uh, and hypocrisy, uh, just even during his inauguration, where people weren't social distancing or wearing masks and everything. Uh, They're hugging each other almost as if everything that they've preached to us for the last year essentially was complete bullshit and you know they're doing the the complete opposite of what they've been telling us to do for the last year they even uh so they held a press conference or whatever after the inauguration and somebody actually even brought up that question to um biden's press secretary jen uh saki i think is her name she was quoted saying that there was a lack of social distancing and use of masks uh, later on after the inauguration or whatever at the Lincoln Memorial because they had more important things to uh, to worry about. So social distancing and masks just went r- right out the friggin' window because they have more important things to worry about. Meanwhile, uh, millions of Americans have lost their jobs, their homes, um, businesses and everything because of the policy that they advocated and then they turn around and throw the policy that they advocated right in the trash right in front of everybody for the world to see and i think that's pretty shitty and it's very hypocritical of them to do you know being the ones that championed all of this absolutely destructive policy like lockdowns and everything that have cost americans uh, a lot yeah, they can't even save face on national television. I mean, it's one thing for some of these people to get caught, like, not in public, but, like, someone like Fauci to get caught at a uh, Washington Nationals game, just, like, not masked up while he's telling everybody else to be doing that. That's pretty ridiculous. These people have no credibility. Yeah, and so we're talking about hypocrisy and everything. Um, You know, one of Joe the things that Joe Biden campaigned on was the fact that he cared about the military and that he would, he was always going to protect America first. There is a commercial, uh, that would always air when I would watch TV at night or whatever, uh, one of his campaign, uh, ads. And at the end of it, he was, it was a quote of Joe Biden saying, I'll protect America first without exception every single time. And the first day he's in office, they tell the military that was on standby for the inauguration, you know, all the photos that you saw of all these uh, National Guardsmen outside of the gate or whatever, uh, where the inauguration was being held. He basically told those military that we have absolutely no use for you guys anymore. Um, you guys can go and sit in the corner of this parking garage and rot basically uh one one outlet for electricity and one bathroom for however many thousand troops that they put in this parking garage not only that but they uh they begin purging different military members um who uh basically were either indifferent or were not a not in support of joe biden's inauguration they said you don't like joe biden okay you're gone peace and you know, the other hypocritical element of it is the fact that they had his entire inauguration fenced in as if walls now work. Um, <laughs> you know, they talked about that for four friggin' years while Trump was shouting, build the wall. They were saying, oh, walls don't work. Walls don't work. And now Joe Biden's inauguration is surrounded by one. and Nobody says a thing. Yeah, the whole uh, and the word he keeps spouting off is unity. It's like everything's unity, unity, unity. Um I'm going to be a president for every American. These are the things he says, but obviously it's not true. And obviously uh, a a good portion of the 75 million that voted for Trump uh, don't think that he's a legitimate president. And it's just pretty hypocritical. And uh, it's just, it's funny because there was a meme 
with uh, tr you know a photo of the Trump inauguration, and it was saying, "Oh, this is when a dictator took over." And then there was uh, one that shows the Biden inauguration with all the National Guard and all the fences and everything, and extra Capitol police, and it says democracy. And it's it's so ironic because this is what the mainstream media portrays it as. Uh, the, you know, a little peaceful transition, like, oh, back to normal, Biden's going to fix everything. Uh, you know, Trump, Trump's Hitler or whatever. But, you know, Trump's the one that won by votes, and Biden's the one that a lot of people think, you know, cheated or whatever. And, you know, Biden's talking about how uh, he wants to put America first and all this other stuff, and that uh, unity and healing is what he's been preaching. And everything, and he made absolutely quick work of uh, making the U.S. dependent on a bunch of different foreign powers again. And what I'm trying to say by that is that he's essentially undoing all of the things that Trump was successful at doing um, during his presidency, either by executive orders or passing bills. He's issuing all these different executive orders. Uh, he's issued. Uh, crap load of them at this point but um you know some of the ones that he's issued so far so we're talking about um rejoining the paris climate accords that you know essentially put us at the mercy of uh all these other different foreign powers when it comes to um emissions control and all the all these other different variables so he did that he cancels the permit for the keystone xl pipeline which now makes us dependent on foreign oil again on top of uh making us dependent on foreign oil he had now announces that we're going to go send more troops to syria or something yeah. like that um uh you're an absolute idiot if you don't understand the fact by now that uh we're going back to the middle east because of foreign oil we're yeah. not going back there to fight terrorists yeah and, and also with joe biden being against fracking uh alongside the keystone pipeline it's going to really like you said make us dependent on foreign oil and alongside like with with the troops going back into syria and probably declining relationships with you know certain other countries the price of oil is just going to go through the roof i mean the price of oil under trump i mean just here in florida i mean we don't have the cheapest gasoline you know i'm not an expert on you know the price of oil per barrel but our gasoline was getting below two dollars, and um, I'm preparing to go like above where we went in the Obama years, like above that four dollar range. And this is probably going to be wild. So invest in oil. Yeah, and and see that's another hypocrisy in and of itself because and if we're going back to Syria, that's another fail. That's an immediate fa failure on a campaign promise that he gave us of bringing the troops home and all this other stuff. No more foreign wars. And everything, but now we're going to send more troops to Syria. Yeah, okay, you know that's a hypocrisy in and of itself. It's the exact opposite of what he campaigned on. Um, I saw a story. Uh, so I guess Trump had a button on the desk in the Oval Office that he could press, and a White House butler would immediately enter the Oval Office with a Diet Coke. Um, and I guess Biden doesn't like diet coke or something like that but he got rid of trump's diet coke button so that's not there anymore but trump said i've never seen a skinny person drinking diet coke the trump's also fat so <laughs> yeah trump's not a skinny person that's a classic trump tweet um yeah yeah that's pretty funny so aside you know aside from that one that i i got a kick out of that one i thought that one was pretty funny but he reinstated ties to the World Health Organization. Um, if you've read anything about them, they're the ones that lied about um, the immediate COVID numbers that Trump got right before the first lockdown started to happen. They lied about the case numbers and, and about the severity of the virus that we were gonna we were dealing with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, something crazy about uh, the WHO that came out from the WHO this week is that. Uh, like you said, Biden administration is going to be wanting to go along with them. And they're going to be saying that um, they're only going to confirm something as a COVID case if you have a positive test and you see a doctor. Um, it might even be two positive tests, but and you see a doctor and the doctor deems you worthy of uh, or like deems you, you know, 
as a COVID patient, basically. So this is just going to drastically lower the numbers. And I don't know if I said this on a previous podcast, but uh, the PCR testing and a lot of the testing we've been using is just giving false positives. So, I mean, prepare for when the Biden administration assumes these WHO rules, prepare for everybody that's going to say, oh, oh my God, the numbers are all of a sudden going down. Well, I mean, you're kind of changing the, you're moving the goalposts here. So it's not even fair. Sorry, go ahead. What what are some of the other uh, executive orders? Yeah, so um, another one of the ones uh, that I guess was top of the list was um, furthering protection for DACA, which I don't know if, if you guys paid attention to when that first became a thing uh, back in, what was it, 2017, 2018? You know, uh, which basically is- what DACA did was issue protections for um, kids that were brought to America uh, by illegal immigrant parents um, so that the children wouldn't be deported. Um, their parents got no such protection, but the kids were would be allowed to uh, remain in the United States, which I don't necessarily think is an inherently bad thing. Um, I definitely don't think that uh, kids should be pun- punished for. Um, a crime that their parents either knew that they committed or maybe didn't quite understand that they were committing, you know, that's not an inherently bad thing. However, if kids want to stay here or whatever, because obviously, you know, when this became a thing, you're talking about immigrant children or whatever that were born in the the U.S., you know, a decade or two ago. So they're, you know, of legal age at this point uh, to apply for citizenship and everything. Um, it's not an inherently bad thing if these kids want to do everything right, but if they completely choose to blow off the system, then um, that's an entirely different problem. And so obviously it doesn't address that issue. And we're talking about illegal immigrants. Uh, Another executive order that he issued um, halted the border wall construction. So uh, uh, Trump's build the wall uh, campaign promise. That's no more. Um, the wall wasn't finished and Biden just halted construction of it. So our borders are obviously still open uh, for illegal immigrants to come on, come over and cross whenever they want to. Um, speaking of uh, illegal immigrants crossing, there were have been a number of uh, murders, kidnappings, um, rapes, and uh, other violent crimes committed by members of MS-13 who are known to come by way of border crossing into the United States. Um, they do not come here legally. Uh, they never even try to. That's what they use to get into the U.S. And because they are undocumented, it is next to impossible to prosecute them in a U.S. court of law. See, the thing about like the border wall and that not being finished and uh, DACA being furthered, uh, this is one of the main things that kind of resonated with a lot of Trump's base is not having DACA and building the wall because, um, you know, although these people, it's not their fault or whatever if they come here, a lot of, like, a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the money we spend bringing these people in or, you know, welfare or, you know, they're not paying taxes if they're not making money or they're not on the books or whatever. And uh, they're just benefiting off, you know, the roads and public health and all this other stuff, especially in places like California. Yeah, and and so I guess the, the last executive order, going back to our original uh, talking point of uh, all these different executive orders that Biden has issued so far, um, his the last executive order that I thought was um, worthy of noting was that he issued an executive order that essentially directed all federal employees to make an oath to restore and maintain faith in the federal government. And that's where I want people to stop telling me that it isn't a friggin' cult, because it is. Worshipping the federal government and making them your only god, is def- it's definitely cult-worthy. So stop telling me that it's not a cult. And so yeah. I guess it, it definitely brings us to our next question. Um, is Biden just doing all of this uh, so that he comes off as a good president that's that's done something? and Or is he a stepping stone for Kamala Harris to take office? You know, there's definitely uh, a lot of people have this theory that um, Kamala Harris 
was uh, was always meant to be the president and that something's going to happen within the next several months or maybe even a year or so from now that's going to allow Kamala Harris to take office, whether it's Biden being medically unfit for office. You know, he definitely presents um, signs of dementia and uh, possibly even Alzheimer's, just given the fact that he he can't form uh, coherent sentences and he mumbles and, and all this other stuff. Those could definitely be signs of um, age and everything. So is age what takes him out of office or um, does he do something that's beyond uh, forgiving and do they impeach him and then allow Kamala Harris to take his place? What happens? Basically, is she a stepping is he a stepping stone for Kamala to take office or do you think that Biden's there to stay? I don't think Biden's going to last more than six months. And uh, especially now with all this coronavirus going on and all these uh, misclassifications when it comes to medical treatment and, you know, death, death certificates and stuff, it could even be coronavirus that uh, kills Biden. <laughs> Not really funny, but Kamala would be the perfect person to bring about the liberal agenda. I mean, she's a hypocrite. She's a liar former cop would prosecute people all the time for drug charges and stuff and now she's saying that oh in in the vice presidential debate she was saying oh uh me and me and joe want to decriminalize marijuana on a federal level it's like do you really or are are you changing your position is it is your position just what the party tells you to do yeah because she's the one that quite literally prosecuted who she viewed as uh drug criminals or whatever she's the one that prosecuted them under uh bill clinton's crime bill right yeah when she was ag in california yes yeah so that that's another hypocrisy in and of itself you know she's she's the attorney general she's the one that where cops you know cops bring criminals to her to be prosecuted in court and everything and so you're talking about like literally the the lead cop or whatever that the left's championed after also championing the movement that says all cops are bastards and defund the police and and all this other stuff. So that's a, a literal hypocrisy in and of itself. Um, electing a cop VP after campaigning on anti anti police the entire year. Yeah, it all seems kind of fishy, especially because uh, Kamala Harris was really. Uh... Uh, going after Biden on the uh, campaign trail and then some of the presidential debates or, or uh, I'm sorry the uh, yeah the primary debates yeah so Kamal Harris was really going after uh, Biden in the primary debates you know I, I, I don't know how somebody like that wouldn't want to stab Biden in the back almost or uh, I mean obviously she's completely fake and she's a tool I mean that's true, but she'll probably uh, make her grab for power. And she's definitely checks all the intersectionality boxes of, uh, you know, black woman. And she's like, oh, um, I was disadvantaged and whatever. Yeah, and so just with this, in, with this administration just in general, how long do you think it's going to take for... Uh, the Biden administration to start blaming the Trump administration for their own failures, even though Trump's obviously gone because that obviously, if that happens, that kind of remains consistent with the whole, um, with the Obama administration, uh, with their attitude of blaming Bush, um, consistently for their own failures as an administration, because the Democrats have obviously extended this impeachment trial well into Biden's term when in fact Trump is gone from office so it doesn't even really matter anymore he's gone either way they're just doing it at this point either to embarrass him or to make uh, an example out of him essentially they got him banned from Twitter and he's no longer in office um they have nobody to make fun of anymore it's literally like beating a dead horse so do you think do you think that we're going to start seeing more of that do you think he's going to start? Do you think he's going to continue to blame Trump? Oh, there's no doubt. And obviously, uh, Biden's trying to usher in some terrible policies like the Paris Climate Accord and uh, uh, even has flirted with the Green New Deal, which I don't want to get too far into it. But basically, 
on a scale of what makes countries rich and what makes them grow is cheap energy and cheap access to raw materials, uh, land, labor, and capital. Basically, the Green New Deal is going to set us so far back economically, not only with upfront costs, but with opportunity costs of what we could have been in the future. They're, they're going to bring back, they're going to bring in some terrible policies, and no doubt there's going to be, there's going to be consequences, there's going to be economic downturn, there's going to be civil unrest, and they're going to blame Trump and they're going to blame his followers as if uh as if they weren't really uh for four years constantly badgering Trump's followers and saying that Trump's not legitimate and getting rowdy with uh Antifa and BLM. I saw a story get posted last night or the day before of uh during uh Biden's inauguration or whatever, uh at simultaneously happening the inauguration in DC, rioters in Portland were or Antifa uh, it confirmed Antifa had the flag patches and everything were vandalizing and destroying the uh, DNC headquarters in Portland. And I thought that was pretty hilarious of the left's own goons going after one of their uh, criminal cathedrals in Portland. I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, you know, we're we're nearing the end of the podcast. So very quickly, do you think Biden's administration is going to start sparking a shift into the idea of decentralization or seceding because we have a bloated civil uh central government or do you think that we're going to suffer for four years under biden and wait to see what happens it depends i i don't think people really especially in this day and age with all the uh standard the standard of living we have and everything i don't think people have the will in them to really fight for what's right and obviously the people at the capitol were like they acted like they want a war but they didn't really understand the implications of the door they were knocking on (laughs) or the capitol they were breaking into when uh they went there because obviously they're placed on watch lists and you know gonna serve federal time but i don't think i don't i don't think people honestly have it in the will uh, in their will to fight, at least not yet. Things aren't that bad. But I mean, we talked about the alt tech revolution at the beginning of the podcast, and I think that I think that's definitely a uh, an indicator as to where people's minds at right are minds are at right now in terms of in terms of where where we're going, what the direction that we're headed. You know, um, people we're, we're seeing a mass exodus from Twitter. Um, Twitter stocks continue to plummet, unfortunately for them. But you know we need to let that platform run itself into the ground. They need to go. Uh, yeah, they need they need to be gone. Um, and you know they're they're taking care of themselves for us. Their stocks continue to plummet as they continue this ideological purge on their platform. Um, so you know they can go for as far as I care. But you know, I think that's definitely an indicator in terms of where people are or where people's minds are at or at least some of them. And, you know, I definitely think think that uh, that leaves open the idea of decentralization because that seems to be the only good alternative that we have to a civil war. Because it let's pretend that the decentralization were to lead, lead to a civil war, uh, which would be exactly where we're headed right now. You're talking about this, the people that want to be left alone. So you're talking about your obviously majority red um are the ones that want to be left alone they're the ones that um that ideologically believe there should be a smaller government that um less government oversight they believe in more um individualistic rights rather than the government providing everything for them so you're talking about these red states that want to be left alone and want small government versus the blue states that uh that worship the federal government and want them to control every single aspect of their lives because those blue states are the ones that prevent you from owning any firearms and prevent you from uh, owning any, any way to protect yourself. And then the red states are the states where you're allowed to protect yourself with deadly force, where you're allowed to own guns um, and carry them on a daily basis. And allowed to, you're allowed to, you know, take up a trade and earn an honest living and or own a business and be rewarded for it and not just work under somebody else you can actually 
create things. Yeah, but we're talking about the uh, this whole um, if if decentralization would lead to a civil war or not. And so what I what I was trying to explain is that the the states that have the means to aggress upon other states are the states that want to be left alone and the states that are least likely to fight. And so you're talking about the the people that want to uh, force the opposite side to uh, agree with them constantly and everything are the ones that have absolutely no means to aggress upon uh, other states. And so I think that's definitely uh, a point worth mentioning because I think that is what prevents civil war from breaking out if if we were to just peacefully divorce the federal government and say, we don't want you anymore. And so that kind of, uh, if that were to happen, if decentralization were to occur and we don't have civil war and it's a success and everything, you know, uh, how do we deal with the challenges moving forward from that? Are do we keep a national currency? Uh, is crypto a good alternative to begin using? Is uh, the stock mar- investing uh, in stocks in the stock market a smart idea at this point, or are we going to begin to see a shift from people putting money uh, into stocks uh, versus putting them into uh, physical assets such as gold, guns, and ammo? Uh, cars, alcohol, anything we can think of that'll hold value over time. Yeah, the uh, the stock markets and uh, the securities markets are different than they've ever been. I mean, people have had such faith in this uh, in the U.S. dollar and the strength of the U.S. economy, but with the uh, you know the zero percent interest rates and the the money printing that the Federal Reserve has been doing. It's really uh, messed up the marketplace and shifted where people where people put their capital and what makes people money, basically. And so, do you think we're gonna end up splitting? If do you think we would end up splitting the national debt among states if states were to govern themselves? Do you think we're gonna default? What do you think happens with that? Well, the national debt. I mean, I don't. I, how how the hell would they split it up? Would they split it up by population? Would they? You know, like. How's it go? Do I have to pay the national debt that was accrued, uh, you know, during somebody else's generation when I wasn't even alive? It's it's really not plausible. The only real thing that the U.S. could do at this point, if it if it wanted to split up as a country, is to is to default on its debt and just create all new currencies or maybe create another U.S. dollar. But people definitely would not have faith in whatever currency that. Uh, U.S. issues, unless it's backed by something like gold, or it 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 would have to be backed by something at that point, because any sort of central banking policy is just going to devalue the currency and not make people want to uh, invest here. Basically, um, it, I mean, devalued currency would be good for our exports, but in terms of standard of living and uh, uh, investment, it's really going to screw our country. And I think a, another criticism that a lot of people have of decentralization that I hear a lot um, is, you know, it, and a, a lot of times it's the anti-war leftists that are asking the question, um, how do we protect ourselves? If there's no national government to protect us, what do we do? I guess, you know, is there an answer to that argument? Um, do we, if, if states are allowed to govern themselves, do they take up a mutual defense pact among states? basically meaning that if one state goes to war with a foreign power or something like that, say um, a terrorist attack happens in a certain state and that state feels compelled enough to <laughs> to send its National Guard forces or something like that to, um, uh, to fight in Syria or something like that, um, you know, do other states come and help them? Or is that something that, like, Texas itself is going to have to decide? Or... Um, or, you know, it, is it going to be a state-only affair? Um, is there an answer to that argument that we won't be able to protect ourselves? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it was definitely a completely... We're definitely in a completely different situation than uh, we were at the founding of the country, especially when you consider that even before the Constitution, there was the Articles of Confederation, where it basically was like a loose pact between states. Um, they were, you know, 
the definition of states. They were actual countries almost, and they would have almost complete sovereignty and just trade freely. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't really know what their national defense plan was, but I don't think it was too great because that only lasted a few years and they were complaining about, you know, the strength of taxation and the federal government. But, you know, like if you're talking about like alliances, alliances are what get us into wars. Uh, so maybe it'd be good if uh, the states just all had their own armies or whatever. And uh... and I guess the last thing that that I would mention is that people need to realize that where we are currently heading with all of the censorship and purging people from social media platforms, firing them from jobs because of their political views, and literally, you know, the, the literal definition of cancel culture, with canceling all these people that don't agree with you and things like that, it begs the question of why do we, why do we continue to have faith in the system and why do we continue, uh, continue to want to share a government with people that either want us dead or want us purged from existence? Yeah. Because it makes absolutely no sense to share government with these people um, because they are ideologically different and there's absolutely nothing we are going to do to change it because their positions are based purely in emotion and not in uh, fact or evidence. And I think people need to start to understand that decentralization is the peaceful approach to the situation. It's the only, we are currently headed towards civil war. Make no, no mistake about that. And so decentralization is the option, the other option that is on the table um, that theoretically would not result in any bloodshed because of, um, you know, the factors that I already discussed. And so, um, you know, I think decentralization is the only option that prevents a civil war. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I don't know other than, like... Because cause you could say decentralized, like, because obviously if the central government had less power, that'd be great. Like, the federal government had less power, um, and they just let the states be what they were intended to be, like, laboratories of democracy, and they could, you know, figure out whatever's best and do what, uh, you know, test different policies out, and, you know, people could move with their feet, and, you know, the better states would thrive. But I don't really know, because, like, we seem to have a pretty explicit constitution when it comes to these things, and even that hasn't prevented, uh, you know, some of the worst things from happening. Even, you know, one or two hundred years from its inception. I think the the one thing that I want uh, this one's for conservatives. Um, the one thing that I want conservatives to take away from all of this is that you need to stop believing in the system. You've always, and see, this is why conservatives are always on the defense. They never play offense. They never do, um, they're never able to do anything of substance because they're always playing defense to the left. And this is what I want you guys to understand is that the game is rigged. That no matter who is in office, I, I, every single time a Republican runs every four years, it's always, we don't have the right people in office. I'm the one that you need to put in office to get things done. But it never changes. Nothing ever happens. It's always more of the same. Trump is even more proof of that, as we discussed earlier. That you need to rid yourself of this lie that you've been fed by your own conservative commentators that getting the right people in office is going to change things. It it it, it simply has not worked up until this point, and you're getting absolutely nowhere fast. In fact, you're failing in almost every single aspect. Um, we talked last week about where conservatives can start winning and that's in the area of culture you know being a part of culture um being a part of all these areas that the left has on lock you know in uh theater uh like movies um cinema uh music and all all these different areas that you know the left has all these influencers locked down and everything that's where conservatives need to start fighting but this whole idea of having faith in a system that was rigged against you in the first place is absolutely stupid and people need to stop believing it. Yeah. And, and definitely conservatives are starting to wake up, uh, like we were talking about with cops and, uh, yeah, it, it's just always kind of like a compromise because, um, people say they're conservative and whatever definition you really think that has, I mean, 
obviously it kind of like harkens back to you know the whole idea of whatever was in the past or whatever but you know these conservative politicians these republicans uh that you know claim to be conservative but are basically rhinos basically all of them are republican in name only all they are is just like a 10 or 20 year lagging version of what the democrats are like they're just what the democrats were 10 or 20 years ago and uh michael malice says that uh conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit or something alike and uh that's completely true these conservatives are completely on board with uh what was once uh radical uh leftist agenda things like social security spending that's out the roof they used to always talk about the fiscal cliff and stuff and like we were talking about with trump i mean you know people have just forgotten what it is to be conservative or what it is to have values or principles People just want to uh, attach to their red or blue mentality dichotomy and uh, have something to hate and something to blame for everything. I guess to conservatives, I'd say stop believing, stop believing the lies that you're being fed and start taking action. Uh, you know, call these people out. Yeah, call these Republicans out. Yeah, they all call, suck. call almost call, all of them. Call not Republicans all out. Call everybody out, man. You know. People need to stop believing in these lies that they're being fed by the mainstream media and mainstream uh, uh, conservative and liberal commentators and everything, because it's simply not the truth. It's not fact. It's not backed by literally anything other than emotion. Um, but, you know, stop believing the lies, start taking action. You know, I'm always loud on Twitter. I always make sure that just for, you know, my own sanity that. I make sure that people understand that I don't believe any of this stuff and everything and that, you know, and a lot of people like me for that. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep speaking my mind until they ban me off these freaking platforms, dude. You know, I've always, I've already flirted with uh, a Twitter ban. I've already deactivated my Facebook and uh, a couple other things. So they're going to have to ban me off these platforms before I stop exposing them for what they are. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's pretty much all we got for this week. Um, yeah, dude. There was a lot going on. I'm with, super uh, hungry. Yeah, there's a lot going on with, uh, like we said, the inauguration. Um, you know, Trump's out of office. Uh, he'll definitely be missed for his humor, if anything. I, I mean, the Biden memes that have been coming out have been pretty solid so far, but I definitely don't think they're on par with the memes that we got that we got out of the Trump presidency. So I hope the uh, the memes continue to improve and everything, and hopefully at least we'll be have we'll be able to have something else to laugh about here pretty soon. But um, obviously, you know, Biden's only been in office a couple days, so he's definitely got more in store probably in the next week so um i guess stay tuned on that we'll see you guys next week y'all be easy all right see you guys have a good one